got one other announcement. 75 years ago, I guess probably 70, 75 years ago, about that time they were building this church, 1947, 48, the process was going on. This wonderful church building was built. And in this church, they were going to have a pipe organ, which is a unique instrument. But as you know, today, we don't really have anybody who can play it. So there was the pastor, Dr. Fred Mosley, had an ingenious idea. His idea was to send a young lady every day on a bus to Cottage Hill Baptist Church in Mobile, 27-year-old lady, got on the bus, went to Mobile every day, and learned how to play the pipe organ. Tuesday will be Miss Edith's 102nd birthday. Uh, she, her passion, as you know, was to play the organ in this church. Her passion was to serve the Lord, and without a doubt, if she could be here today, she would be here playing that organ, doing what God called her to do, prepared her to do. And she still likes to talk about the great history of this church. And this church has had in the past a great history. It was a great history when the building was built in the 1940s and in years to follow. And we need to recapture that vision and return to the mission and message that God gave this church, the assignment that he gave this church to fulfill. You know why? Because one day is going to be judgment day. I don't think Miss Edith's going to have any problem at all standing before the Lord in judgment because she fulfilled her assignment. But one day I'm going to stand before the Lord in judgment and you're going to stand before the Lord in judgment. Paul said so in Romans chapter 14, 12. He said, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. We're going to talk about the final judgment today in our sermon series on eschatology, the study of last things. The Bible tells us that uh, there's a record of our actions, of our decisions, of every word that we'll say, and at the final judgment, we'll stand before God. Now, the Bible says, tells us about a preliminary judgment. We call the final judgment the final judgment because the preliminary judgment comes when the writer of Hebrews said, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. That is a preliminary judgment where a person will either be sent to torment to a place separated from God. We'll talk about torment. That's yet to come. Or they will be sent to a place of comfort, paradise, to be with Christ, which is far better, certainly far better than anything here. You might wonder why there needs to be a judgment beyond that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It tells us, however, that there will be a judgment day when all who've ever lived will stand before God. That includes even those who've received some preliminary judgment after death. Now, this morning, our goal is going to be to answer three questions, three very simple questions. And I believe the Bible is very plain. And uh, I want you to understand that I think that uh, it's important to, that you look at the Bible, that you look at what the Bible says, that you don't try to fit the Bible into a system, but rather that you allow the Bible to speak because systems can be 
very confusing. And so hopefully this morning you're going to see very clearly what the Bible has to say and the answers it has to these questions. Our questions will be, first, when will judgment come? Second, who will be present? And third, who will be the judge? So when will the judgment come? Well, I refer you to Acts chapter 17, verse 31. In the first part of that scripture, the thought actually begins in verse 30, where Paul says, God is now declaring to all men everywhere that we should repent. And he tells us why. He says, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world. That's the urgency of repentance because of judgment day. We'll read more of that scripture in just a minute. So there's a fixed day, just like the day of the second coming, known only to God, but it is a day that's coming. Jesus spoke of that day in Matthew chapter 10, verse 15. He said of those who didn't respond to the gospel, he said it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city in the day of judgment. Anyone who does not respond to the gospel. We've already mentioned that Jesus said, well, we didn't mention it, but we just mentioned that every word will come under judgment. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, he said, but I tell you that every careless word that men shall speak, that they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. So there's a judgment day. The Bible says this over and over. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up for yourself in the day of wrath. You're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It's a day of judgment. Look, listen, not days of judgment, but a day of judgment. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter wrote, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But by his words, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now you say, well, that's talking about ungodly people on the day of judgment. Listen to what John says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. And in Jude 1, 6 we read, And the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So there's a day. It's a day, not days, but a day of judgment. Now, I think it's clear that we've established there will be a day of judgment. You already know that. But we want to establish when the day of judgment will, will be. Now, as with the second coming, we can't pin down the day and the hour. But the Bible is very specific about when the day of judgment will come. Now, the day of judgment is a day in the Bible that's described under another term, called the day of the Lord. You're all through this, this uh, series, we've talked about a little bit about the day of the Lord. Uh, the day of the Lord is pictured as a terrible day in the Old Testament when there will be no place to hide. 
My first class when I was in seminary, when I was 21 years old at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Dr. Billy K. Smith was the professor of that class, and we studied the book of Amos. And I thought, I didn't even know there was a book of Amos in the Bible at that point. I, didn't, I knew that little about the Bible. But we st look at this unique passage of Scripture where it talked about the day of the Lord. And this is what it said about the day of the Lord. It said, the day of the Lord will be like this. It will be, it will be a day like this day. A man runs from a lion. And as he's running from a lion, a bear meets him. And so he's running from a bear and he gets away from the bear and he finally makes it to his house and he leans his hand against the wall and says, I'm safe. And a serpent comes out of the wall and bites him. In other words, there's no escape. There's no getting away from the day of the Lord. Joel said, the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 31, and we go to Joel because Joel is quoted by Jesus in the New Testament. Joel 2, verse 31, it said, the day of the Lord will be a day of doom for the nations, a day of clouds and a day of thick darkness. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Mark that. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, beginning to read in verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then the sight of man will appear in the sky and then all tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You say, what in the world does that have to do with judgment day? Hold on. We're talking about the day of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. Paul wrote, For you yourselves well know that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. And Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So we've also seen that the day of the Lord and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ are one and the same. So I'm just raising this question, and I'll answer it. Could it be that judgment day is also the day of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 42. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. When will that happen? It will happen, as Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory 
with all his angels with him, the Bible is very clear. Now here's the second question we need to answer. Who will be present at the judgment? Well, I have to tell you now, since we've read some of the scriptures already, that there are those who've developed a system, and you know I don't like systems, I've already told you that. They've developed a system that requires there be three different periods of judgment or three different days of judgment. Uh, they see an event called the judgment seat of Christ that is for the believer only. If that's what you, the way you understand it, that's fine. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They see another event called the great white throne judgment, which is in Revelation chapter 20. And then they see the sheep and goat judgment as a separate judgment for the nations in terms of how nations responded to God uh, or more specifically in their system to Israel. In other words, America will be judged as a nation, uh, Brazil will be judged as a nation, Russia will be judged as a nation, this, that, and the other. Now our goal is going to see how the, all these scriptures fit together to bring one clear message. Well, in the light of the scripture we just read from Matthew, who does Jesus tell us will be present at the judgment? He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will gather together all nations. Now, the same, that's the same group, by the way, to which Jesus sent out his disciples in the Great Commission. He, he commanded them to go into all the nations and preach the gospel. He sent them into all the nations because he was sending them to all the people in the nations because all the people in the nations are going to stand before God in judgment. There's an urgency. And he said they were to preach the gospel to all nations, and he said beginning in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then in Samaria and then to the uttermost part of the earth, including everybody. Now we need to consider uh, who's at the judgment. Now that's in the Matthew chapter 25. Who's at the judgment? The nations are at the judgment. That just simply means everybody living. Everybody. Everybody living's at the judgment on judgment day. Wouldn't you expect that? Not individual nations, but everybody living is at the judgment. Look at Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the, the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades, or death and hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if, anyone was, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So who's at the judgment in Matthew 25? All the nations. That word is ethnos, ethnic group, every ethnic group. In the book of Revelation, there are four words used for the nations or for everybody, every, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation, everybody. It just means everybody 
everybody uh, is standing before God. The living and the dead, they all join uh, in a public pronouncement of judgment. God pronounces judgment on every individual, and your judgment will be pronounced before every other individual who's ever lived. I don't know how that will be, but that's what the Bible tells us. You say, well, where does the Bible say that? Well, let me just give you an illustration where Jesus himself said that. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus said, verses 41 and 42, he says, the men of Nineveh, now Nineveh is where Jonah went to preach, right? God sent Jonah to preach to the men of Nineveh. He sent them to preach to the, to the people of Nineveh because judgment was coming. God was going to destroy Nineveh. So the men of Nineveh repented. They all repented as in one big group. And so Jesus said, the men of Nineveh will stand up. They're dead men. They've been dead a long time. He said, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, one greater than Jonah is here. And Jesus is referring to himself. He also went on to talk about the queen of Sheba who came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And she, he, he said, she will rise up with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, one greater than Solomon is here. So that's simply multiple generations from multiple nations, both men and women, boys and girls, standing before God at judgment, the one great judgment of God. Now, we sang, I believe it was last Sunday, what's going to protect you against that day of judgment or in that day of judgment? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, we sang this verse last Sunday. We sang a verse of scripture. Paul said, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's the day of judgment. Paul's confidence in the day of judgment was his relationship, his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So who will be judged? You say, well, some people believe it's only unbelievers will be judged, but you remember at the great white throne judgment, two books are opened. One is a book where the deeds of men are recorded. One is the book of life, and the one not found in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So on that day of judgment, there's not going to be a second chance. There's not going to be an appeal. There's not going to be any justification, opportunity, or any excuses. According to Paul, in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. So that's important, that nobody's going to escape. Nobody's going to say, well, I didn't know or I didn't understand on the day of judgment. The judgment that God gives will be right, it'll be righteous, and everyone will know that God has made the right decision at the judgment. Now, the big question, the last one, is who is the judge on Judgment Day? Judgment Day, not Judgment Days, but Judgment Day. Who is the judge? Well, as I read from the Bible about the identity of the judge, it will become very clear to you. Still may be a little bit 
you don't understand it all. I don't understand it all either. But it's very clear. The Bible makes it very clear. First from the book of Revelation chapter 6. In keeping with the Old Testament, remember the day of the Lord is the day of doom for the nations, the day when the sun is dark and the moon turns to blood. In keeping with Jesus just prior to his return, this is going to happen. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. Then I looked, and he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. And the sun became as black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us! And hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand. That's judgment day. That's judgment day. The day when Jesus said in Matthew 25, When the Son of Man comes in all his glory with all his angels with him, he will sit, he will sit on his glorious throne and all nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And again, we look back at Revelation chapter 20, when the great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence heaven and earth fled away and no place was found for them. That's the same uh, image that you have in Revelation chapter 6. Now who's the judge? Who's the judge? Well, you say, I got a pretty idea who the judge is, pretty good idea. Well, the Bible tells us explicitly. Paul tells us over and over and over. Peter says the same thing. Listen to what Paul said in, in Acts chapter 17, verses 31 and 32. Remember, he's preaching and he says, God has commanded all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter went to the home of Cornelius to preach the gospel, having been sent there by God. And in Acts chapter 10, verses 40 through 42, this is what Cornelius said about the judgment. He said of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is to us, Peter said, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he, that's the Lord Jesus, ordered us to preach to the people and to solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. 
Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 22, For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. In Romans chapter 2, verse 16, Paul talked about a day when, according to my gospel, this is Paul's gospel, this is the gospel Paul preached, this was the gospel message that made men tremble, that made Felix tremble when Paul talked about the judgment to come. He said, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. And Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I solemnly charge you, 2 Timothy 4.1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. When? By his appearing, his epiphany, his appearing in glory, and his kingdom. Now some of you must be thinking of another passage, some of you Bible scholars, of a passage in the book of Daniel that looks like Judgment Day. So we'll look at it briefly. Acts, uh, Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Daniel was having visions and he said, I kept looking, I kept looking, trying to get a clear picture of what was happening. I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was white like snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. That is an awesome picture of Judgment Day. Who's on the throne? You say, that can be none other than the Almighty God Himself. And then I would just refer you to the book of Revelation chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. John also had a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the middle of seven golden lampstands. And he said, in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe reaching to the feet, girded across his chest with a golden shaft, his head and his hair were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been caused to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And behold, I was dead and I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hell. I would say to you, who is that? But the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The big important question we haven't asked today is this. 
What will your fate be on the day of judgment? Let's pray.